welcome to Space Flicks, the movie review podcast where we talk about the greatest films that we've seen, uh, the ones that are so good, in fact, that they are worthy of being streamed at an extremely low uh, bandwidth into space for for a lonely astronaut to be able to enjoy these films. Welcome. I'm Adam. I'm Dan. Uh, and so today's episode, we are going to discuss a uh, very, uh, you know, it's hot off the presses. It's brand new. Um, uh, a film that is really, I, I think. just recently didn't win the Oscar. Is, go- is going to, I think, really uh, win all over a lot of fans. Uh, it's a little film called no, you Black should, You should have set that up as like the first black superhero. Our audience is ready for it or will it bomb? <laughs> right. <laughs> Turns out audiences were totally ready for it. Totes ready. The, um, the, well, we'll get into the box office, but yes, it was very successful. Yeah. And so this is a movie where, you know, we have the benefit of hindsight. And um, after having seen all the films that 2018 had to offer, we still think that Black Panther was probably one of the best movies of the year, certainly worthy of consideration of being sent to an astronaut. And frankly, mm-hmm. if I were an astronaut in space and Black Panther came out and the people doing space flicks on Earth didn't send me Black Panther, I'd be pretty upset. Fair, yeah. I would just be pretty upset. I'd be like, come on. <laughs> I, I, I've heard great things about this movie <laughs> through, the, through the space waves. and mm-hmm. That's true. You'd be, <laughs> like, it would be more like... You wouldn't really know that it existed. They wouldn't know it existed. It would be more like when they eventually got back, right. when I was like, because time doesn't work the same way, so like I'm 89 years old, and they come mm-hmm. back, and they're like 42, right? And they're like, you didn't send me Black Panther. And they're like, wait, there was a movie that came out in 2018 called Black Panther, <clears> and it was about a fake future city called of Nation of Wakanda. And there's a hero named Black Panther, and he's got claws and drinks special like flower juice to become a superhuman. And you didn't send me that movie, and it was and it was good, right? Uh, so at any rate, yeah, Black Panther. So that's what we're talking about. So uh, I think getting into, I mean, it's been over a year, so uh, so it might be hard to remember. But I going into this movie. Yeah, but but do you remember how you felt going in, what your expectations were? Oh, they were sky high. Were they, really? Yes. Why? Based on what? The trailer. Yeah. The trailer was just so exciting. With the Run the Jewels. Yes. <laughs> it's got, yeah, you've got like a Run the Jewels track, which is like now just the shortcut right to yeah. my adrenaline gland. Um, and then uh, just like it just looked different. It felt urgent. It felt mm. like a little dangerous. Mm. in way and again this is the trailer right um that in ways that other marvel movies just simply did not and i was like wow is this gonna be like well i think the second trailer had um the what's that song the revolution will not be televised by gil scott heron yeah Yeah. the the second trailer had that song yeah which which definitely feels a little like you said a little dangerous right because that's, I mean, that's. But I mean, this is Marvel. Did you really expect like a? Well, I'm yes, and so this is where like. Uh, and by Marvel, I mean Disney, right? I, I, it's one of those things where Gil Scott Heron's "The Revolution Will Not Be Televised" is still to this day like you just put that track on, mm-hmm. it still feels like 
like very much alive and very much oh yeah like a dangerous piece of music right in a good way yeah like in a thrilling way right and so this movie i think does a little you know clever co-opting of that Mm -hmm. both in the trailer same same with run the jewels run the jewels is sort of a dangerous sounding group Mm -hmm. right and like this movie is you know despite its many things that it does well is not particularly like dangerous film, right? Right, right. Um, but my expectations going in were like, this you is were gonna, pumped, you were jazzed, right? This is gonna be like, do the right thing. <laughs> comes to superhero, comes movies. to Marvel, right? Like this is gonna be like a, just a an adrenal shot right in the heart, mm-hmm. right? What about based on? I mean, we had seen Black Panther, right? In Captain America Civil War. Did you like the character in that? Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, just another. Just kind of mildly. <laughs> um, there's not uh, there's not a lot to really hold on to in that movie. So he is trying to avenge the death of his father. Mm-hmm. Um, he runs very fast in a tunnel. Um, you know, it it demonstrates that the Black Panther character is capable of you know, standing toe to toe with characters like, you know, Winter Soldier and right. Captain America. Yeah, there's a scene where they sort of, it seems like almost the whole purpose of the scene is just to establish kind of his power level. Right. Because it's the Winter Soldier escaping some facility. I don't even remember really mm-hmm. exactly, but a bunch like Iron Man uh, or Tony Stark, not full in full armor, but with some technology and Black Widow and a couple others sort of try to stop him. Right. And fail. And then T'Challa uh, yep. doesn't actually successfully stop him, but is the only one who sort of engages in hand-to-hand combat with him and is clearly not totally outmatched. Yes. And one of the only reasons he doesn't get him <coughs> is because I think Captain America basically helps Bucky escape. Right? Uh, I think... I don't... I don't. Re- I think Captain America is out of commission at that point for oh, some reason. But, but Bucky does get away, but it's, it's only... Because he like is lucky enough to get away. Sure. He's he's like kind of losing the fight. Right. Um I so I'm kinda interestingly uh I was pretty I was definitely looking forward to the movie too, but I don't feel like for the same reasons as you. I think I think the trailer was really good, mm-hmm. but I don't think it convinced me that the movie was going to be <laughs> like right. what you're sort of talking about. Um you know, I've I've just sort of interpreted the trailer as really kind of good, edgy marketing, right? Um, Which but, is but exactly it, but correct. This, but what it showed of the movie, it it definitely looked like a good movie. It looked like sort of upper tier Marvel quality. Mm-hmm. You know, just from like I think the first trailer, like thinking back, it opened with the interrogation scene with uh, with what's his name, Andy Serkis's character mm-hmm. Claw. Yep, and he's talking about you know you don't even know what this place is, do you? Right. And it's kind of like revealing, oh, there's this really advanced African nation that's totally secret and just looked so intriguing. Just that premise. Yep. So that looked really cool to me, and I actually really liked, um, I really liked Black Panther in Civil War. I think uh, you're right that there wasn't like a ton. It didn't give us a ton, but yeah. um, I think just as a character. He felt uh, kind of like the first of his kind in this world where you've got sort of the noble, like Captain America type characters, but then you've got a lot of wisecracking, you know, 
for the most part, they're all a little bit funny and a little bit comedic. Mm-hmm. But Black Panther was the first sort of like regal kind of character. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. like a king. Right. He just he just felt like more like a no nonsense. Like I've got a, you know, I've got an important job to do. Right. Um, That's true. Is he I can't think uh, of another one. Is he the only Marvel superhero who can't just like go out on like an existential walkabout when he's feeling in a funk? Right. You mean because of his responsibilities? Right. I feel like every other Marvel superhero, they're like, if they just feel like I'm just going to go clear my head, go for a long drive for four years. Right. Like they could do that. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's really the only. I mean, I'm sure there there's like a million Marvel heroes that but you and I don't world, know about. But in the about, world of the MCU right now, in the in yeah, in the cinematic world, I think for sure he's the only one who's like a politician or even for that matter a boss of any kind. Right. Right. Everybody else is basically a free agent. Well, no, that's not true at all. Tony Stark completely led an entire company, but he yeah. kind of handed that off to Pepper Potts. Yes. And I think at, at this point in the movie universe, Tony Stark is like just an Avenger. He like just does whatever he wants. He's just Iron Man. Right. He's not like head of Stark Industries anymore. Right. And even um, if like Stark Industries And when fails. he was, he was more like an Elon Musk type. Like, yeah, <laughs> he never gave the sense that he, uh, that he like, took his responsibility to his employees or anything like that super seriously. Right. Um, whereas, yeah, I think T'Challa feels a lot more like a king who's like, I have a people to lead. Right. You know, and I, I need to look out for my country. The stakes are just so high for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because it's like most of these superheroes, they're trying to save the world always. Right. Right. But like they don't have that sense of ownership the yeah, they're just trying does. to save the generic world. Right. Whereas he has a people right. who, de- who rely on With him. Who, yeah, and you can, which actually introduces a really potentially, I mean, I'm very curious to see where they go with Black Panther 2 and mm-hmm. other future movies where he might have to prioritize, right? Which is mm-hmm. like any world leader, yep. right? Um, the heroes can just be like, there's bad guys and they're trying to kill people and we have to stop them. But for him, it might be like, well, am I going to put my country at risk just mm-hmm. to save some people somewhere else? Yep. Which he sort of struggles with in in this movie. Yep. But I, I suspect they could do a lot more with that in the future. So, yeah. Anyway, um, uh, we're still talking about expectations. Were, you had not seen any Ryan Coogler? I had films? not seen Creed and I had not seen Fruitvale Station. Yeah, those are the two main ones I'm yeah. aware. I, had, I still haven't seen Fruitvale Station, but I've nope. heard it's really good. But I had seen Creed. Liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, really solid, rocky successor. Mm-hmm. So so I think with all those things, I was expecting like a pretty solid, like I said, like upper tier Marvel. Kind of yeah. kind of maybe in the same, uh, around the same quality level as like the first Captain America or the first Iron Man. Sure. Which are pretty solid. I mean, Iron yeah. Man is kind of considered... I think Iron Man almost gets too much credit because it kicked the whole thing off. Like right. it's it's you or not that it gets too much credit, but it's like it's considered possibly the best or one of the, you know, right. very best in the whole franchise, but it's like it's hard to really assess it on its own merit because right. of just how much responsibility it 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 uh it fulfilled and did a good job at. So, but I think quality level that's kind of what I was expecting was around that level. Okay. So anyway, Moving on, mm-hmm. uh, those were our expectations. How did it? How did it? Uh, 
compare to your expectations. Well, this is something that I have had a hard time unpacking. So I re- so obviously this movie came out a year ago or over a year ago. I rewatched it in the past week and I was trying to watch it with an eye toward exactly that question, which is like, how much do you like this movie? Mm-hmm. And how much do you just appreciate it? This, yeah, like appreciate or think it's important mm-hmm. or just am glad it exists kind mm-hmm. of thing. And I had and I regret to say I still don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> um and so uh it I I find it to be in parts a exhilarating movie. I find it to be in parts um uh very much a disney movie mm-hmm. you know um and i and some of the things that i think i expected from the movie uh the sort of like punk rock gil scott heron kind of thing that i wanted it to have um those things are far subtler but still kind of present mm-hmm. um and some of the things that i wasn't really um that weren't selling me on the movie up front, like that weren't the reasons I walked into that theater um, are actually the things that stick with me the most. Like some of the, um, the things regarding the emotional beats in the movie, um, some of the technology things, right. And actually the entire nature of the conflict between T'Challa and Killmonger. Yeah. Right. Um, is actually a very interesting conflict that resolves in, um, I think, unusual an unusual way for a mm-hmm. movie uh, of this size. And so, um, I, you know, I don't know that I ultimately uh, would, like, love this movie in the way that, um, you know, a movie that more, like, directly personally speaks to you or strikes a chord. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I still think it is one of the, best movies and like most important movies of the past year. Yeah. I think for me, um, I I think I can answer the question. Well, I don't know. I I obviously can't perfectly. You can never perfectly uh, organize your thoughts or at least I can't, but like for this movie, I definitely think that I appreciate it more than I liked it, but I still liked it a lot. Mm -hmm. But, um, like when I watched the movie, I feel like coming out of the theater, I felt like in terms of the movie going experience I'd had, it was just similar to other Marvel movies. Yeah. It it wasn't like, Oh my gosh, that was far and away better than any other Marvel movie. Now that said, I do think it looking back on it, there's things that I appreciate, uh, and do recognize as being a lot more special than a lot of other Marvel movies. I think the world of Wakanda is just so unique. Like, yeah. it's really, I mean, maybe someone else has shown something like that in a movie before, but to me, that that blend of, like, traditional African cultures with, with the chants and the rhythms and the colors and the, yeah. you know, and, and uh, just so much of the feel of Africa being combined with high tech sci-fi. Yeah. I know I've heard like, um, I've heard that that's like, that's a cat. That's a genre. Like if, if you look in like there's graphic novels and stuff. Afrofuturism. Yeah. Yeah. Afrofuturism. But, 
but yeah, in a big budget, you know, big yeah. screen presentation, it was just, I like definitely was aware watching the movie. Like I've never seen this before. And that, that was su- super cool. Um, and then, uh, and I, th- I think for that alone, I think the movie is just right in its own league. I, and I think that that is one of the things that that's not the reason I signed up to walk into this movie, mm-hmm. but it's definitely one of the things that sticks oh, with yeah. me is the, um, there's a very sort of casual inventiveness in this movie that like you don't realize as you're watching it, or at least I didn't the first time I was watching it, like how um, sort of innovative and uh, bold and new a lot of the sort of just ideas of the world Mm -hmm. in it were like, uh, and exactly what you're describing. Like, I think it's so easy to take it for granted because it was almost like the movie was a hit before you even walked into the theater And so it's unfortunate, like it had these extremely lofty expectations placed on it. And I think the things that the movie sort of emphasizes with, you know, big capital letters um, are the things that you walk away, you know, sort of presuming you're supposed to be thinking about. But I agree with you. I think that like the nation of Wakanda, the sort of mythology surrounding how this nation came to be, the way that um, just exactly the way it portrays like traditional with the futuristic, the fact that this is like um, a kind of utopia, like that kind of that. They've got some weird traditions that the, (laughs) yes, but that the society itself is like this picture of like a highly functional, right? Mm -hmm. Like um, society where it appears to me that like, crime is low and like oh yeah yeah quality of life is high and um technological you got some tribes with some with some antagonism it seems to, sure each other. yeah yeah but it just feels like um the way in which it presents this world without sort of trying to justify it or without trying to um draw so much attention to it mm-hmm. was like very casual but very bold and it's something that like as I was watching it this most recent time, it really stuck out to me. Yeah, just how remarkable that was. Yeah, and it's like, but the movie's never, nobody in the movie comments on like, Wakanda's kind of great, right? <laughs> like, it's just... Well, re- they have, let's see, they have, um, who actually finds out about, is it just, uh, what's his name? Martin Freeman's character. Martin Freeman, is he the only one who, like, discovers Wakanda? And Yes, he is the only... Out. Well, and Michael B. Jordan too, right? Like he has never seen it until. Yeah, right. But he's heard of it. He knows yeah, about yeah, it at yeah. least. Which this is kind of a this is kind of a, a change of topic, real quick. But come to think of it, in Avengers, in Infinity War, when they come to Wakanda, do they even? They don't even seem surprised, do they? Well, this is after T'Challa at the That's end true. of the That's movie has announced yeah. that Wakanda is yeah. opening itself up. That's right, and. Captain America has been there because he that's where he dropped off Bucky right. in Civil War. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So I that that was just stood out to me suddenly as like, is that explained? But you're right. That does make sense because Wakanda would not be a mystery at that point. Right. In, in the history of this world. Okay. So um, 
Yeah, I think Wakanda is definitely the most special part. I also agree with you as for kind of the the other really special thing about this movie to me is the conflict. Um, I mean, I think Killmonger is like a way more interesting character than T'Challa, actually. Yeah. Um, and uh, and you know, heading into the movie, definitely a lot of people were saying like he's the best Marvel villain, mm-hmm. um, which I would tend to agree with, or he's at least one of the top. Top two three. or three, yeah, yeah, yeah. E- easily. Yeah, um, he's almost like not even a villain, actually. No, he's not. Uh, it's it's yeah, it's like kind of weird. In from the trailers and stuff, you know, he's clearly sort of presented as this is the bad guy, right? And he is the antagonist. Yes, but this movie is not. I think this movie is not against Killmonger. It doesn't. No. It doesn't end. Like no. the way it ends is not like oh thank goodness Killmonger was stopped. The way it ends is like. Killmonger is kind of right, and this is really sad. <laughs> yep. Um, the way this had to end. Yeah, and it's it's almost like, um, and I think T'Challa fully understands this <clears throat> at the end of the <clears throat> movie, right? Like, you know, uh, because in some ways, Killmonger's argument about Wakanda's role in the world and what Wakanda should have done mm-hmm. or should have been doing for the past several decades T'Challa agrees with it, right? Yeah. J- the only thing he doesn't agree with is, you know, Killmonger kind of wanted to straight up. Well, I Vi- guess I don't remember how how explicitly he wanted to, like, incite violence. Oh, extremely explicit. Okay, okay. Yeah. He, he basically wanted to sort of empower uh, black, black people, in, especially yep. in the Western world, to, to rise up and their destroy. their oppressors, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, which you know, looking back, it's uh, I, I'm sure many have noted this many times, but just the irony of the title being Black Panther, right? <laughs> um, I mean, I know that's the name of the, the the hero in the comics, but it's like the Black Panthers are much a lot more, more like Killmonger, Killmonger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I guess the superhero in this one is called Black Panther. But anyway, um, uh. Backing up real quick, uh, so we've talked about our expectations and talked about sort of what we what the highlights of the movie were for us. Uh, it this movie more so than most definitely worth talking about box office for a minute. Yes, because I think there was some uh, uncertainty, you know, heading in. Uh, the movie was scheduled for a February release, mm-hmm. um, which is Black History Month, so yep. well timed. But you know, February releases tend not to be huge releases. Although I think the year before was Deadpool in February, sure on Valentine's Day, and that was huge, right? But that was so, a, that, but that was a surprise. Too. That was a surprise, yeah. So, tr- so it's still kind of relatively untested uh, waters. Um, but this movie not only opened huge. It is the highest grossing Marvel movie. It even domestically. More, even more so than Infinity War. Yeah. It grossed more money than Infinity War. Okay. So uh so I think I mean it was certainly a cultural moment. There's no questioning that. Yep. People were something that was really cool that was happening when this movie came out is people were like buying out theaters and stuff and and uh, getting tickets for inner city kids to yeah. come see this movie. Like they were organizing field trips and stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure in terms of like dollar amount <laughs> how much, you know, these kind of 
big gestures of trying to get kids to see the movie contributed, but I think it certainly contributed a lot in terms of awareness and yeah. enthusiasm. Um, and yeah, so it had uh, an opening weekend over 200 million, which I think the only other m- movies in the Marvel universe to do that are the Avengers movies. Okay. So it's like Avengers one, I mm-hmm. think, and Avengers Infinity War and Black Panther. Those are the only three yeah. that have opened over 200 million. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I mean, it's, you know, it's not to put too fine a point on it, right? Like Infinity War was the movie that the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe had been building to for right, many right. years. And Black Panther gets nominated for Best Picture. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, it was, I mean, the fact that you've got one movie that the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe is basically revolving around. It's like the yeah. sun, yeah. right? But it's like, but actually this thing that orbits around the sun is more interesting. Well, Black Panther got nominated for Best Picture and Black Panther made more money. Domestically. Yes. domestically. Right, it's just like in every World, way. Worldwide, Infinity War did make more. But, um, but so I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it just can't be, it's like crazy how well it did. And to this day, <laughs> you know, I feel like they almost couldn't have, they, they certainly, I'm sure they were expecting it to do quite well, but they, they can't have predicted how well it did given that, like you said, you know, everything was building up to Infinity War and spoilers for Infinity War, but like Black Panther dies in that movie. Right. So uh, they they must have been, I don't know. I mean, clearly they're planning on bringing him back some way or another. Right. Um, but but in, in some ways, I almost feel like that must have been uh, like sort of like bonus for them because they're like, oh my gosh, you know, the fact that he's dying in this, we were expecting to be like, oh no, but right. it's going to be like, holy crap, that's right. like the biggest guy in <laughs> yeah. the whole universe. You yeah. know? Um, he's like everybody's favorite now. So, yeah, movie was a smash hit. It is interesting that it 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 did incredibly well domestically. I think internationally, uh, not quite as strong. Sure. Um, and, you know, who knows? Maybe it being a black superhero has something to do with that. I know it didn't do super well in China um, and some other markets. So. Yeah. But I, it might not be that Black Panther didn't do well in other markets. It might just be more like Avengers are crazy popular in, right. you know, in China and in the rest of the world. And for some reason, yeah, it does feel like for some reason this movie has special resonance in, in America. The US. Well, it makes total sense. I mean, look at Killmonger's whole, yes. whole agenda, yes. right? Um, so, yeah. So, box office did gangbusters. Um, what's our next segment normally? Oh, themes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really, I mean, race <laughs> obviously is a big one. Um, yes, but actually, actually, not really race. I, I mean, I think it's a lot more this the that conflict we were talking about earlier of of sort of uh, what I guess nationalism versus there's a it's a isolationism. Yeah, isolationism versus sort of. Um, uh, a very involved, you know, foreign policy, right? Like a it's, very engaged foreign policy. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think of the, the uncle Ben quote from Spider-Man, right? With great power comes right. great responsibility. And this movie sort of starts by showing you Wakanda. Like you said, it's sort of like a utopia mm-hmm. sort of says these people have, you know, 
the most advanced technology, the strongest, you know, seemingly one of the most flourishing economies Mm -hmm. in the whole world. And they've completely shut themselves and they're in the middle of this continent that Mm -hmm. is, you know, the least developed continent on the planet and uh, has, you know, a huge amount of disease and suffering throughout, you know, in various other neighboring countries of theirs. Yep. And so even before you really get to know Killmonger, I think the audience, that's got to be in the back of many viewers' minds as they're watching this of like, why aren't they, you know, right. why aren't they helping uh, the people well, I do think in the rest that, of Africa? Yeah, I mean, Black Panther sort of, I think, starts with shock and awe. You know what I mean? It's sort of like the initial thought you have is like, Wakanda is amazing. Holy yeah. moly, yeah. right? Um, and then... Um, I think at the same moment that the the movie very clearly does something clever when um, there's a whole sequence toward the beginning where um, T'Chaka visits his brother mm-hmm. in, uh, is it South Central LA or Oakland? Is that where it is? Oakland, yeah. Oakland. And, um, and there's an encounter in the apartment and it ends up with, you know, T'Chaka, the king of Wakanda at the time back in 19, you know, 85 or something like that. Um, you know, basically killing his own brother. Mm -hmm. Right. And the, the shot for me that really hammers home this transition and the sort of the cost of the way Wakanda has existed within the world is a shot where um, the Wakanda delegation, you know, T'Chaka and whoever else was with him, thus there's a spaceship basically that Mm -hmm. leaves from the top of this high rise apartment Mm -hmm. complex. And the camera is pointing both down uh, at the basketball court adjacent Mm. to the high rise and then up at the sky. Mm. And it becomes even more poignant because you learn later in the film that the boy that the camera is pointed at is our, of is course, Killmonger, our right? antagonist, Eric. Killmonger. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly the moment, I think, where the movie begins to sort of explore that idea of like, Wakanda is the most advanced civilization on mm-hmm. the planet, right? And it has quite literally abandoned mm-hmm its own right 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 um and in the name of sort of survival yeah right yeah. they're sort of we need to do this to survive we're not we can't endure you know the scrutiny or well it's I mean, from the outside world yeah it's funny for you to say survival that makes it sound like there is an acute threat but i i would view it more as like paranoia right it's a perceived threat right, right. like they they it's well, um, it's the thought that if we let our guard down then then we'll become vulnerable and then we don't they know what will happen. will come in. Yeah. And I think that to, to the first point <clears throat> you made about themes in the movie, like that is the implicit discussion of race. Yeah. Right? It's like there's all of the most developed, powerful nations in the world are, are majority white mm-hmm. nations or Asian nations, right? Um, we are not like them, right? They are not... They're going to look at us as some kind of um, colony to be conquered or some type of people to be overthrown, right? Mm-hmm. Like they implicitly, without even, I think, ever stating it, 
in the film uh, believe that there will be a threat from other powerful nations if they were to unveil yeah. who they are. And so that's like, I do think that like, that is the way in which race is sort of a theme in this movie. There's like this boogeyman outside the frame of the film, right? For when T'Challa is ever announces that Wakanda's open for business, it's like we got to brace ourselves because, you know, all of these foreign, you know, um, imperialists are going to start knocking on our door and we have to be ready for that. Yeah. I think there might be, I think there might be another theme in the movie there's something very, uh, uh, I don't know the word. It's it's kind of upsetting. There's something very jarring, I'll say at least, about the fact that this incredibly technologically advanced country has uh, has so much violence in sort of embedded in its um, in its DNA. Like mm-hmm. the fact that the the king the king's position mm-hmm. is determined by a ritual that is essentially just ritual combat. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a fight to the death potentially. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and to the yield to the, yield, right. Uh, but potentially to the death. Yeah. And, uh, and it's not real. I mean, there definitely are members of the society. Like Shuri seems to sort of be like, this is, stupid i don't know why we do this right you know but like for the most part all the tribes leaders and so forth they kind of accept this tradition and, yeah um the movie is i think completely bought in on tradition oh yeah yeah i th- i i'm sort of ambivalent about that i kind of like the idea that these are you know yes this is incredibly advanced technologically but these are still african tribes that have presumably been around a long time and have rich traditions that they are upholding. Yep. I really like that. But I think in particular, just, just in terms of the sort of primal nature of like combat to determine the leader. And also there's a thread, um, relating to, uh, claw, you know, um, T'Challa sort of loses some of the respect of one of his top commanders yeah. because he doesn't kill claw. Mm-hmm. And, Again, it's like uh, from this guy's perspective, you know, your father failed to do this, but you're going to do it, right? Mm-hmm. And then when he lets him down by not killing this guy, it's like, oh, you're just as weak as, you know, your father. Right. And um, so there's definitely some, I think, I, I guess what I'm getting at there is just thinking about that, I think, I don't know that the movie takes a hard position on these things, but I feel like it, 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 it feels at least intentional to me that it, or whether it's intentional or not, it's a good, it provides a good examination of like, what is the role of kind of physical, uh, like power mm-hmm. and dominance in, in an enlightened society. Like is, it's sort of like, sort of like in the same way the movie, I feel like the movie, a history of violence does a great job kind of asking this question of like, is it just in us? Is it impossible right. to remove? You know, is it part of our nature deep, deep down? Right. Um, I feel like this movie has a little bit of that too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like even consider just the ways in which Wakandan technology is considered to be so impressive, mm-hmm. right? Like the almost 
Every example of impressive Wakandan technology is its military application, mm. right? Like, there's a little bit of medical stuff. There's a little bit of, like, telecommunication stuff. Oh, yeah. The- but overwhelmingly, the examples we have of cool Wakandan technology is, like, the very the varieties of weapons that they can produce. Right. Right? And it's like... Um, to the degree that they are like, this is going to become in Killmonger's plan literally their number one export, right? You know, when you when you point that out, it's like, uh, it's kind of outrageous actually because there are. It's not just a front; like the the country does have a lot of farmers, right? Uh, you think it's entirely a front? I think it's mostly a front. Okay. Yeah. I thought it I thought it was suggested that like you know pretty much in terms of like the agriculture they're just yeah. like regular farmers. Yeah. <laughs> and they're when just, you think of it like they have incredibly advanced technology but they haven't invested in just like feeding, you know, the world. I mean, right. you know, back to like helping people, right? Were they to put their resources towards figuring out how to, you know, Right. Produce huge amounts of food to feed the world. You know, they could probably have solved so many problems, but they thought, I mean, I mean, it's a little bit movie logic, but I think it's a little bit like purposeful, like so much of Wakandan history in this film and the history of Wakandan technology is about preparation for this day when they're going to be invaded. You right. know what I mean? They have incredibly advanced military. We're gonna they arm have force the rhinos. Yeah, you know what I mean. We're gonna like, we're going to figure out how to. They have, do have an insanely advanced military for a country that's presumably never been in, in war with anybody. Yes, <laughs> I know. That's yeah. my point. Yep. It's like yeah. they are. They have invested so much energy. I mean, and it's sort of like not dissimilar from the United States, right? Like we have this insanely advanced military. Compare and so, and in size as well, mm-hmm. like compared to any other developed nation, and we're like, let's spend more, yeah. right? Uh, and so there, and so yeah, I think. But, but one key difference is all the other countries in the world know about us, <laughs> right? Right, that's true. Yes, we 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 very clearly it's have conceivable that, that they'd yeah. want to attack us. Whereas right. in Wakanda's case, I mean, I you know, it's I guess it's it's still. Even if you were sort of a secret nation, you would totally, you know, worry right. about someone finding out about you. And like, it's funny because I do. For that. I feel like in America, we're like uniquely mm-hmm. equipped in America to not question Wakanda's technology choices. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, it's very America like. I feel like if Switzerland were watching this <laughs> movie, they'd be like, why did they spend all their money and resources on mm. weapons that they never need to use? Yeah. Like, um, so anyway, I think your point about violence being sort of embedded in the culture, um, is both true and maybe a little unanswerable. Like the movie never attempts to explain in any sort of explicit way, like the prioritization between like, well, we also invested heavily in, you know, like agriculture and medic medicine and, right. you know, the arts, right? Like they never <laughs> like attempt to even discuss like that they... Yeah, no, we spent, you know, 90% of our budget on military developments, right? Like, right. Um, I mean, that would be an interesting 
Not that not that I would expect a Marvel movie to talk about the government's budget. Yeah. <laughs> but it would be interesting if they at least came somewhere towards that just just talking about policy and stuff like that in yeah. Wakanda in yeah. a future in a future movie. It's funny because of of all the Marvel movies, right? Of all the Marvel franchises, this is the one. Like the fact that at the heart of the discussion, like the the, the one of the key um, sort of conflicts philosophically in this movie is a foreign policy disagreement, mm-hmm. right? Like there will be no other Marvel franchise where the issue is about the government's deployment of resources abroad. You know what I mean? Like no, th- which is a pretty like amazing thing to say about a superhero movie i mean i will i think civil war had a similar it was it was a totally different topic but a similarly kind of interesting in question that applies to the real world the registration to, thing yeah when it comes to uh more almost just like gen, gen, broadly like the the role of or you know wanting a centralized authority to be able to kind of make yeah. make the right decisions versus uh I guess I guess the the I know we're not even talking about Black Panther right now, but but like Civil War kind of brought up the the notion of there being this tension between like if you if you if you want um freedom and security. Yeah, freedom and security, exactly. I think it, but well, freedom and security, but also like the idea that there's sort of a, a built-in limitation to any system for like ensuring that the right thing is done, you know, because yeah. if you have an a, uh, uh, an entity that's that's supposed to enforce it, th- that entity is corruptible, right? right? It's, so it could undermine the purpose it's meant to serve. So there's like an argument for like not imbuing one entity with all of the authority, but then you fundamentally are, there's like no perfect solution basically, right? right? Yeah, I mean, there's, I think there's and that's many, kind of Captain America's There's many fascinating movie. versions of who watches the Watchmen yeah, exactly. kind of thing. Um, Watchmen, of course, being <clears throat> sort of implicitly one of them, right? Where it's like, somebody should probably corral these morons, right? Mm-hmm. Like these people are crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do think that, um, yes, I mean, to your point, most Marvel movies don't have much to do with like these sort of big societal questions. Right. Yeah. I think, I think Captain America and Black Panther are kind of two of the, the only two ones that really come to mind. Yeah. I mean the first Iron Man the the it was like oh industry contributes to war. <laughs> you know. Yeah. That's a little yeah. more. Yeah. There yeah, there's a little cut. bit of military industrial complex stuff in yeah. the Iron Man franchise. That's true. Yeah. Thor is just uh, you know, gods. Yeah. <laughs> what if what if lightning had a baby? <laughs> right. Um but so anyway, yeah. So the uh rich the themes. themes the themes of um isolationism and and violence yeah those those feel like the two main ones to me yeah yeah and it explores them well we should i mean and for sure i mean there's a definite um like in a lot of movies there's a fathers and sons oh yeah yeah totally with the mufasa simba moment <laughs> 
where he yes. goes into the yes. I mean, I feel like him seeing his father after, you know, going into the spirit in realm the or whatever plane, it is. Yeah. It's very much Mufasa in the clouds. Right. In a good way. Like it's it's and at, I almost feel like it deliberately harkens back to that. Sure. A little bit. Well, and also the thing one of the things I really like about that sequence is he visits his father in the spirit world and the second time he sees him, he's like, You were wrong. <laughs> Mm. You made a huge mistake and you've like really screwed things up for us. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. um, and that's like not typically, I think the thing right. that you the would expect a son like, to say to his deceased father. Yeah. Right. Um, but he's really like struggling with the legacy that his father's left behind. And he's mm-hmm. realizing that he has to like, he has to not die mm-hmm. and go back just to fix this. Right. Like, mm-hmm. Which is very, of course, different, right, than like, you know, Lion King, right? Lion King is like, inspire me, father, to yeah. make the right choice, right? Yeah. Um, and what I really, one of the things I really like about um, Black Panther is, yes, T'Challa, or uh, to T'Challa uh, has that experience in the astral plane, but so does Killmonger, right? Mm-hmm. And Killmonger's is in the apartment in Oakland, right? Mm-hmm. Um and his father there is sort of apologizing to him is he not yeah he's like i should have taken you back to wakanda like mm-hmm. I, like which are both different things than what happens in a typical like i'm going to get a vision from my father and be inspired to like go do the right thing a la you know like right. star wars or something like that right um even thor ragnarok had that a little bit with uh, odin Right, right, yeah. I'm just going to inspire my son to go be the hero he was meant to be, right? Yeah. Like, on one hand, it's like in the case of Killmonger, it's like the father apologizing to his son for not doing a great <laughs> job. And in the other, it's the son indicting the father for mm. not doing a great job, right. you know? like Yeah. Um, it is definitely an in- inversion of uh, the sort of normal way that plays out, for sure. Yeah, so that's the other, that's the third big, big thing that I can recall all right so uh is this a rich man's or poor man's anything um has there been anything else that attempted something like this can we think of any well it's hero's a, journey i mean it's a rich man's version of lots of other superhero movies i think sure <laughs> uh but no it it feels I mean, let's see. He's a king. He's his country. He's head of header. He's the ruler of an isolationist country. Nah, it it doesn't feel like there's a lot of other movies. It feels pretty singular, you know? Like, I can't think of another movie that's like, we're going to tell this kind of story. I mean, I will say it's a poor man's, uh, like some other superhero movies when it comes to the action. Sure. I don't think the action is too spectacular. You mentioned the casino scene, not in this conversation, but yes. when we talked about it the other day. Yes. Um, that definitely stands out in my memory as being that's, probably the strongest. That's the strongest action, action scene. sequence in the film, I would argue. Um, but like, I remember the closing scene with him versus Killmonger is a little CGI, like yeah, it feels like a cartoon. rubbery, you yeah. know, figures. Um, also, the one that's in the trailer of of like a car chase. Yeah. I remember being like, okay, not 
great. I I'm general like the pro- like it involves him like like I remember in particular there's like him leaping off a car and running along the side of a building and landing on a car and then like doing a flip. Yeah. And it's almost just like geometrically the angles are so weird. Yeah. <laughs> that it it's like the camera's like follow going twisting around in weird ways and following action that just is hard to even make sense of while right. you're watching it. You're like, I don't really know what is happening right now. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like okay, so I have two things to say. So I definitely feel like um especially the car chase sequence, uh we've we're probably a degree or two removed from what makes like camera movement in an action sequence exciting, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like so fluid and so in um, unorthodox and the movements that it's like, I don't even know if this is impressive or not, but also this is clearly just a drawing. Yeah, it just you know? feels very rendered more um, so than... And I think to, that is a thing that I just, it's not a Black Panther thing specifically, but man, like car chases in movies are so boring now <laughs> because if I, even I'm thinking back to like a, a totally different movie and a t- with much different stakes, but like even a car chase in a movie like the Blues Brothers is more exciting than yeah. the car chase in this movie. I feel like, you know, you talking about that, the camera movements being super fluid and 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 that, like, I wonder if, just in terms of, like, human psychology, if you can't really feel the impact or excitement of a thing like that when the camera's moving in a way that it couldn't a- actually be moving. You can't you know? even conceive of like, yourself moving It's almost moving like that way. Those, those shots of him running along the side of a building or him, like, blowing up the car and going into the air and doing a flip and landing on another car, if those would have been so much better to see just on a visceral level, if the camera were like from a vantage point that a human could be standing Mm -hmm. and watching it happen. Yep. You know, if just the way your brain would process it would be like, oh my gosh, look with that. But because it's like following him and turning and like floating through the air with him, it would have had to be like a drone that was like had a honing device on him and was like, you know, at a fixed distance from him or something like that for that to have really been filmed that way. Yeah. Just like it, you're, I think there's an uncanny valley effect where your brain's just like, Oh, well this isn't, doesn't feel real. Yeah. I think there, I don't, I don't have a great thesis on this, but like, I kind of believe that your point about if I'm going to watch something, it needs to feel like it's something that I could actually watch in real life. Right. Yeah. Like, and it would have to look the way kind of it would look in real life. So, something that's very simple that I think um, mo- movies do that I find to be very affecting visually is a simple sort of um, dolly push in. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, that's a thing that you do in life. You run up mm-hmm. to things. Mm-hmm. Right. And they get closer as you run up to them. Right. Right. Or you sit still and like just a lot of action unfolds in front of you, right? Mm-hmm. And that's exciting too, like the obvious like old boy hammer fight, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, but it's like you would never ever watch a car crash via like the weird series of like, you know, tilts and pans and twisting maneuver, crane maneuvers that are happening in this car sequence. And it's like, it just doesn't feel 
real. It just, yeah, it just doesn't feel real, I think, is the main problem. And so, yeah, that's... um. That's there. That I think is kind of my criticism of some, several of the action sequences in the film is like they just don't feel like re- anything real is happening. Yeah, yeah. So the action, and I think that was I think that was doubly disappointing for me after again after Civil War because I feel like the action in Civil War was really good. Yeah, and and you know Black Panther was a part of some of that. He had some good hand to hand. Yeah, I think the Russo brothers just. They just are good at they this. Do, they they have the best action. I don't know if it's them or if it's they have whoever they hire some, some fight people. Yeah, <laughs> they have a crew that's really good at that. Um, I suspect it's more the latter. But yeah, so the action. I don't. It's not like a poor man's anything in particular. But it was, that was just a weak spot for me. Yeah. Um, what was the best part of the movie? Talked about Wakanda already. I mean, okay. So while we just dinged <clears throat> the movie for its fight sequences in general, I do feel like the casino fight sequence is quite really good because it feels much more real. Right. I feel like I'm watching real conflict unfold in real ways. The camera moves in ways that I would move. Right. It like goes down the stairs. Which, come to think of it, we right. were just talking about the car chase scene. The casino scene goes directly into the. It car does. Chase, yes. Right? It, so it's kind of one scene. Yes. There's like. But we're talking about the first half of the scene is strong. There's a moment. Yeah. I <laughs> before mean, before they get in the cars, there's a punctuation mark at the end of um, the casino fight where T'Challa is sort of throwing um, a table or something mm-hmm. at Claw, and Claw blows it up mm-hmm. with his arm cannon and then makes a terrible joke and he's like i made it rain right (laughs) and then that sort of marks the end of that sequence and claw like runs out of the building and gets into a car right Mm -hmm. um and so uh but for sure the entire sequence uh including the wig throwing moment nice yeah um it's just it's so well conceived and uh shot and has little moments like that that mm-hmm. are a commentary on, you know, like our expectations regarding black women and their hair, right? Yeah. Like, um, doesn't she say she says something like this looks so stupid or something? It's some right, point. right, yeah. <laughs> and it it just it's just such an excellent yeah. sequence. It's got a little bit of um, sort of a Mission Impossible feel oh, to totally. it in yeah. the setup, uh, which as uh, You're a sucker for which <laughs> listeners of this podcast will know that as much as we love Black Panther, we love Mission Impossible even more. Um, yeah, yeah, and, safe to say. and so, uh, yeah, so just that sequence for sure stands out as a highlight for me. Yeah. And I think that also um, I, you've seen the movie again recently. It's been over a year since I saw it, but um, I feel like it does a good job establishing these they're called the Dora Milaje. Dora Milaje. I don't the, even know the, what that is. The women warriors that are sort of his top elite. Okay, sure, group. yes. Um, they. I don't know how how much the movie explains what they are, but there's just clearly this they're kind the of king's elite. guard. I yeah, think yeah, exactly. Called. That's right. So you know, I think in that scene, it's like him and her and. Is there one or two others that are with them? It's and, a very small group. And Lupita Nyong'o. It's just the right. three of them. Yeah. Okay. So she's like his top uh, Kingsguard person, basically. Yeah. Not 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 Lupita Nyong'o. Yes, but, the but other one. Denai yes. Guerrero's character. What's her name? Okoye. Okoye, yes. Okoye. Yeah, Okoye. I just feel like that scene, you know, when they introduce, like, when they show, you know, they show a bunch of elite soldiers holding mm-hmm. weapons and, and then... 
they're just like in the movie, you're like, okay, or I don't really know. But I feel like that scene sort of shows like, okay, yeah, she's actually, well, they literally, there's a reason she's at, you know, he's, she's one of his most elite soldiers. They basically. literally call her at one point, like the greatest warrior in all of Wakanda. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, so there you go. So she can hang. Yep. Yep. But I, but the, you know, show don't tell right so the movie yes so that scene kind of shows you yes she takes out you know an entire room of trained assassins basically Mm -hmm. right with her with her two wakandan compatriots um so yeah as as an as an exhilarating action sequence right that's one of the one okay so yeah what about you what's one of your favorite sequences um moments well, I don't know about sequences. I think just Killmonger throughout the yeah. movie <laughs> yeah. is kind of my favorite part. Like trying to think back, like when he's first in the museum uh, and he's like looking at artifacts that are, you know, have been stolen from Wakanda. Yes. That's really great. Yes. Um, when he turns on Claw, that's pretty great. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, and the fact that he like, murders his girlfriend oh yeah it's just i mean i think it's kind of like it's kind of making it like oh this guy's a monster but it's also like oh he's super driven he will do anything he knows exactly what he needs to do um that's great i mean when he shows up and announces who he is to the wakandan like council Mm -hmm. really just everything with killmonger in it is pretty great yeah uh and uh, uh, of course his final lines bury me in the ocean right like my ancestors yeah because they knew that it was Very better powerful. to be uh free than to live in bondage yeah right yeah or then to die, die free than to live in bondage right, right? <clears throat> so yeah i think i guess that's kind of a cheap answer but no and I, in fact i agree with you and in fact like um the first time i saw the movie i didn't uh have the i didn't have the feeling that i had the second time at the end which is like it is like deeply uh, like a big waste mm-hmm. that they don't get to have Killmonger again, right? Mm. I oh, yeah. felt his loss much more. By they, you mean like Marvel? The mo- yeah, right? the movies. Like right. I, I just felt it so much more acutely the second time after like sort of going through the journey again, and it's like i'm much more sympathetic to killmonger the second time i watched it right Mm -hmm. um just because the first time around i'm like well he's the villain and Mm -hmm. you know he's trying to like hurt our our good guy and so i i'm inherently like on the good guy's side right yeah and this time around uh the second time around i was just much more um receptive to the idea that like killmonger is in many ways right in some important very important ways wrong Right. Um, but it was just sort of like this type of conversation is one that um, I don't know that they're going to find anybody else who can deliver that point of view nearly as well. I don't know that they're going to find a villain whose pain is as a key, like extremely understandable mm-hmm. as Killmonger's. Um I recognize that they might not have had anywhere for him to go, right? Like they might not have had a way like, here's how we get Killmonger out of Wakanda so that he can come back and fight again, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But especially considering the fact that that 
whole closing sequence, you know, like the fist fight of destiny as every movie ends with, right? Mm-hmm. Like was just, you know, not that great. It was fine. And it's just sort of like, this is what we needed to have. Mm-hmm. Like it would have been so much better for this to end with him somehow getting away. Yeah. Right. And just be out there ready to come back for Black Panther 2 or 3 whenever we decide to have him back, right? Maybe, like, except that I think by the end of the movie, he's he's served his function and... To wake up. I mean, and T'Challa kind of comes around, yeah. right? And sort of embraces this sort of peaceful version of what Killmonger wanted, which is for Wakanda to... Be open active up, in the yeah, world community. open up to yeah. the world. So I think if Killmonger were still around... Then, then there's less like he can't he can't teach T'Challa the important lesson again, right? Right. So then, if he were to come back, then he would just be, you know, still wanting to empower black people to overthrow. But like T'Challa is already trying to educate them and give them mm-hmm. resources and that kind of thing, right? So. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I don't think he has a place as much now. Maybe. I mean, because his motives in some ways are so pure, <clears throat> right? Like, he doesn't want... I guess what I'm saying is he'd be more of a straight-up bad guy if he came back yeah. at that point, where it's like T'Challa's already doing all these good things, but he's like, no, but we need to, like, kill white people too. Right. You know, and then it would be like, no, you now mm-hmm. you just seem like a bad guy. Like, right. it, it in, in Black Panther, in the first one, you were so sympathetic because of what you'd been through and it was totally right. understandable what you wanted to do. But now that, like, Wakanda is doing this stuff for you right. to come back and still, you know, want to yeah. kill people, it would just, yeah, it would just sort of make his character, I think... Well, unless he changed and what he wanted was different. Right. But in some ways, I suppose, by killing him in this first movie, like, you get to preserve his intentions in Amber right. forever. And it's like, he will always have been... I mean, he's like a martyr, basically. Yeah, he'll always have been, like, extremely, uh, and from his own point of view anyway, like, noble in, yeah. his, in his thinking and his point in his philosophy, right? So... Maybe my point is retracted, but I still feel like it just felt like such a waste. Oh, yeah. I mean, but you're not, you're total. I actually agree with you in the sense that he's one of, if not the best Marvel villain that has been in any of the movies. Yeah. And he's dead at the end of the first one. So right. so just from that standpoint alone, it's like, oh, man, yeah. you know, Michael B. Jordan, you know, I don't even know if he's played a villain before this movie. He's always played the good guy. He's Wallace as far villain? as I know. Wallace? I don't know that movie. Oh no, sorry. In the Wire. Oh oh so oh. He plays Wallace in the Wire. Oh wow, I I totally forgot about that. Well, that's um, no. What to answer your question? No, Wallace is not a villain. Yeah, it's it's a bummer. Um, it's a bummer that he's kind of in and out. Although, I think I had read somewhere that maybe he's going to be in like a future movie, which I don't know. Because, you know, with the end of Infinity War, they wipe out half the universe. Avengers mm-hmm. Endgame clearly has to involve some sort of reality-shifting time, time thing, time yeah, travel yeah. sort of solution. So there is some possibility. I mean, put it this way. T'Challa clearly has to come back, right? He's dead. Right. But he has to come back, so maybe Killmonger will come back right. in some form or another. Um, or something, something twin. <laughs> yeah, or that. <laughs> Uh, okay, what about, 
last, I think last but not least, fix the movie. Fix the movie. So th- this gets to this. I, I ultimately think that this particular nitpicky feedback is just totally subjective and personal, right? Mm-hmm. But I found some of the ways in which the movie was filmed, especially the ritualistic combat sequences Mm -hmm. to be like too bright. (laughs) Like, Oh, interesting. Um, just sort of like, I was like, this is a very sunshiny, happy, Mm. like way this is being shot. Mm. And shouldn't this be like a more, shouldn't we be more panicked in this moment? Like, shouldn't this be scarier? Mm. Right. I see what Um, you mean. And it just felt like I've got like a rainbow of color, like uh, of people dressed in all sorts of different garb. You wanted a more Game of Thronesy sort of look. I want, yeah, I wanted like (laughs) Batman fighting Bane in the Dark Knight, not like what I got, which was this, you know, Technicolor, you know, beautiful waterfall sunset sequence. Um, Yeah, it just I just didn't feel like the life or death stakes of it. It felt so that's how you would fix the movie too, too much darken like, those scenes too much like a breakfast cereal um and so again like that that's a nitpick um we've already talked about killmonger obviously um <clears throat> but there was i and i think that sort of gets to my original point like i think i wanted like an edgier movie mm-hmm. than what i got but i i don't know that that's bad it's just i think it's i disney I just, yeah, I think it's like, oh, yep. it was always a Disney movie. The same yeah. way that Rogue One was never going to be Saving Private Ryan in space, but I wanted it to be Saving Private Ryan Well, in hey, space. At, least, at least Rogue One, you know, they did end with everybody dying. Well, that was always a foregone conclusion. <laughs> so it's like, you might as well, like, let's Saving Private Ryan this. Let's have some dudes, like, injecting each other with morphine in the mud, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's what I want out of my Star Wars movie. This I particular want an R-rated Star Wars. I want a hard R Star Wars. People will not take their children to because yeah. Disney would definitely make that. That's what I wanted. Um, I have a I have a very different answer. I don't know if I believe this answer or not, but I do think it's worth talking about as a possible thing, which is it feels in a lot of ways like they could have reversed. Killmonger and T'Challa's like backstories. Like imagine if Black Panther was the kid that got left behind and he had all of the same resentment that Killmonger has and he goes to Wakanda and he does kill Claw and infiltrate Wakanda and the king of Wakanda is an isolationist and is like no and he defeats the king and and just then takes T'Challa's position at the end that we're going to open up Wakanda. And that was the hero of the movie. Yeah. I feel like that would have made a ton of sense. Yes. And you would have totally related to him and totally agreed with him. Right. Um, do we like just make Killmonger the hero of the movie and call him black Panther and have him win at the end, but just not want to kill everybody. Right. His goal is to like, I'm going to use Wakanda the right way. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And which is the way that T'Challa decides to use Wakanda. Right. At the end. Right. Um, yeah. There's something, I mean, 
would that have worked as a standalone film? Yes. I mean, it wouldn't have Would worked have, after the events of Civil War because right. they already set him up like that. Could it have worked within the context of the broader MCU? They would have to radically alter the ways in which some of these characters get introduced. Yeah. Um, but also, yes. Is there something about T'Challa being the, quote, rightful heir that we are sort of tied to? Right. I, I think I see, I feel like, I don't know about in the world of the movie. I think certainly the audience, if you were to, if the movie were structured the way I just proposed, I think the audience would totally be on board with that character becoming the rightful ruler, especially, you know, by following the rules of the culture, which is basically... He defeats the king in combat, right? Well, 90% of, you know, like who the hero is in a movie is just who is the camera on. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yes, I totally agree that you could convince an audience. To I, go think, with this. I think the main argument for the way the movie is, though, is that Chachala goes through an arc, you know? Yes. He, he, he's sort of, he has to battle with tradition. He has to see that his adversary has a point. Yep. And he, like, learns from that. And at the end of the movie, Killmonger has, like we talked about earlier, served, you know, he has performed his role, which is to sort of show T'Challa. Right. You know? um, so from that standpoint, it makes sense. But I think, I think what I would like about it being reversed mm-hmm. is just that, is, <laughs> is just that, like, Killmonger kind of should be the the hero, well, I guess. He, here's the problem, though, with your approach, I think, is that you make Wakanda an enemy if you make Killmonger the hero. Well, you make- I th- well, you'd obviously have to change some of the other characters' attitudes about things, too. Yeah. Like, it would have, like, say, imagine, like, take Shuri, for example, mm-hmm. if she's still the sister of the king maybe she would have been like, and maybe she was this way. In the movie. I can't remember. Was she like saying we should open up to people? Did she have an opinion on that? Well, I mean, at the end of the movie, when he buys the project housing that mm-hmm. Killmonger had grown up in, and he's like, this is the first, you know, Wakanda International Outreach Center or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And you're going to run it, right? She's very happy about that. So I think like, implicitly i don't remember explicitly if that's ever discussed but certainly implicitly at the end she's pro this you know new expansive plan that he wants to put Mm -hmm. in place yeah but i but i guess my point being all the things we talked about at the beginning of this conversation about how wakanda is such an impressive place Mm -hmm. and such a um you know a, a place that inspires such wonder and awe right i feel like if you make killmonger the hero you Wakanda. can't you can't have those feelings about Wakanda because it's this nation. It becomes that, like the city in the middle of the Hunger Games. Right. <laughs> right. It becomes where the, all the privileged people live. Yeah. It's the floating city in Alita Battle Angel. Yeah. It's Elysium. It's no, you know you're what totally I mean? right. That is what it would be. But then but then don't you think that's I don't know. It's the front car in Snowpiercer. If right? if in Alita 
she gets to the to the what's it called Zora or something. If she gets up there and takes over the leadership and then convinces them to share their resources with the with the land dwellers. Right. I think that would work. No. Why not? No, that's not how these types of movies work. <laughs> when you storm the castle uh-huh. and you become the king, right? All the previous landowners mm-hmm. get got, mm-hmm. right? That this is how the French Revolution works, right? The aristocracy loses heads, right? That's how the public wants that to go. You know what I mean? I mean? Sure, but like I guess and yet, at the end of Black Panther, he does declare that we are going to, you know, open our borders, right. figuratively it's, speaking. But it's because he, we're okay with it because the he's the hero. Okay. He's the king, right? And we all, and we like Wakanda, right? Like, we, we've spent the entire first part of this podcast saying, like, this movie does a great job making you like Wakanda. And it's like, yeah, and so you have to be willing to not like Wakanda as is. I don't know if, if I you totally make Killmonger agree with the that. hero. I think the movie you're describing I think, is I think, very different and very interesting. I think it couldn't be so I mean we'd have to sketch it out a little bit more. I I I get that it couldn't be like the main hero is like Killmonger in the sense that he goes to this place like challenges the king to a fight. Everybody doesn't, you know, everybody likes the king and everybody doesn't like Killmonger and then he like defeats him violently mm-hmm. and that's how he wins but it could be like he he has to fight he has to fight and you know kill to sort of make his way into wakanda he gets an audience with the king he makes his case there's like a debate mm-hmm. he tries to convince him and the king is like really closed off to the idea yeah. and the king challenges him to ritual right yeah and it sort something. of ends with him and it sort of maybe there's a big fight where he does end up killing the king but he doesn't want to right you know and but the people like respect him or something it, you know lots of dials would have to be tweaked yeah but um i don't know i think there is a version of the story where that could have been worked yeah. out that way i feel like we should just write this movie but just not call it i mean black. It, the, i will say i'll say the main Wakanda. thing the main thing that i like about this variation on the way the movie played out would be that killmonger is just so darn sympathetic yeah. You know, from from being abandoned, yeah, and uh, and like T'Challa basically is born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Yeah, you know, he's he's the son of the king of the most advanced, you know, most affluent country in the world, right? And and you're like, no, he's he's a good guy though, and it's like he is. He seems to be a good guy, mm-hmm. but it's just like he didn't do anything to earn that. That we can see, he doesn't have this incredibly you know, heartbreaking backstory. So right. that's the main, I think that's the main reason that I feel like I it's at least, it would at least have been worth considering. Maybe, and they probably did consider it, but. Well, probably not. Because well, they like, probably the couldn't. comic book isn't yeah, that. Because that's not right? what the comic book is. That's like, true. Um, but it would make, he would make a lot more sense as a character called Black Panther. Yes, yes, that that would be a truly revolutionary kind of character, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. that would be, um, in some ways, like uh, the, I think this is in some ways echoed uh, in very dark ways. This idea that you're describing in Black Klansmen, mm-hmm. in the sense of like when the lieutenant 
in that movie is describing to um, our main character that he's like, well, David Duke wants to get like a politician in the White House that actually reflects like his white supremacist point of view, right? And so, and you could argue that like Trump is that for that sort of revolutionary group, right? There's like mm. a revo- revolutionary group of white supremacists in this country who want representation at the very top to sort of like overthrow the norms, right? And they feel like they've maybe got that, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like what you're describing in this sort of alternate Black Panther, we get the same sort of thrill, right, of like watching a scrappy, you know, like underdog ascend to the heights of power um, through, you know, pluck and skill and all that stuff, right? Um, But it's interesting because I feel like there are two competing ideas here, and I feel like there's one that we think is uniquely American, but the other that sort of is uniquely American. And so like the one that we think is uniquely American is the whole idea of like, you know, the hero's journey, uh, ascending from nothing to become something right. Rising through uh, a bunch of obstacles to ascend into the highest classes. Mm -hmm. Right. That's, I think the story that we, that you're describing, like, wouldn't that be interesting? Wouldn't that be exciting? Right. And I feel like we secretly want the story about the king's son who stays the king. Right. Like, and it's like, yes, because everything needs to stay in its right place. Well, everybody loves the Lion King. Right. Yes. Which starts with the main character being held up in front of the entire kingdom and everyone bowing down to it. Right. There's a, yeah, right. It's a movie where basically the Lion King loves monarchy, there is a coup. Right Uh in the middle, and then the coup is reversed at Mm -hmm. the end. Right, like there's a coup in the middle where the interim leader tries to unite his people with the with the hyenas. Right, and that is considered a disastrous plan. Right, (laughs) (laughs) Lion King is very weird. I just feel like we we like monarchy way more than we pretend to. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean America. It's like a. It's, it is kind of in our DNA, right? Right. Coming we've got, from Great Britain. Well, the fact that John Adams and John Quincy Adams were both presidents, right? That George Bush and George W. Bush were mm. both presidents. The fact that Bill Clinton and almost Hillary Clinton were both presidents. Almost, almost. You know what I mean? Like, um, we like, we like family legacy. You know, JFK and and potentially RFK, except for were it not for assassination, right? Mm. Like, we love dynasties. So, at any rate, but that's a really cool, interesting, different take on so that. So, yeah, I think, I think you had plenty of totally good objections, so it probably wouldn't have fixed the movie. But it, it would was have, just an idea. It would have fixed one part and maybe created a bunch of other problems to be solved, which right. I don't disagree probably could be solved. Um, but I didn't have anything other than that besides just the action. Just make the action better. Make it better. Get the yeah. Russo brothers crew in, in there to do the action. Yep. That would have been an improvement. <clears throat> but all right. Well, we already know whether we deem this movie worthy of beaming into space. Yeah. We do. We will. It makes the cut. Put it in the upload machine. Yep. I'm excited to see what they do next. Do you have any, uh, any like secret hopes for Black Panther 2? What you want them to do? Um, I I mean this. Aside from do the things that we just said, mm-hmm. right? Um, 
make the action better. Yeah, um, it sounds kind of shallow, but I think like, you know, they've got Ryan Coogler back. I sort of think of it as like a given that it's the story is going to be good. Like he's going to come yeah. up with a good story and message to do. So for me, it's just like my wish list is just like, yeah, I know you're going to do a good story. Yeah. So get the action better. Well, I think it'd be really interesting if the next movie um, did the thing that we all, that they were all afraid would happen, right? Where it's like, put Wakanda under siege, right? Mm -hmm. Make it Wakanda versus everybody, right? And it's like, because, like, put... Or make people start stealing Wakandan technology and doing terrible things with it. Well, maybe, but I was sort of just thinking, like, look... Um, Wakanda's going to go out into the world and have to, like, deal with some terrible stuff, right? And I love the idea of Wakanda sort of banding together to, like, achieve some stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Send those rhinos out there. Get them to do some stuff, right? Um, And then at the same time, I like the idea of, like, we genuinely believe that other world governments are going to, like, we're going to get in there, get some of that vibranium, right? Like show me, show me all of this, right? Mm-hmm. Like I want to see what, I want to see Wakanda on like a global scale. And we got a little bit of that in Black Panther one. Right. And it was the best part of the movie. Yeah. Right. Like, um, I Wakanda in LA, Wakanda in Hong Kong or, Thai, or Thailand or wherever they were. Um, Wakanda, Korea, Wakanda in just show me Wakanda all over the world and show the world coming to Wakanda. That's what I want to see. Yeah. A few? Oh, that's too many. They better get, they better get going. I got, I got Wakanda needs. Right. Yeah. Well, they got to, they gotta all get resurrected and end game. Yeah. That's true, yeah. She's the sur- lone survivor. Yep. All right. And that so yeah, thanks everybody for listening to uh Space Flicks. This was Black Panther, one of the top movies of twenty eighteen. We'll see you next time.